Good morning. I come here today with a purpose, and it's to say thank you. But I, I cannot say thank you to this church without giving testimony about my God. August 27th of last year, Hurricane Laura landed in southwest Louisiana, and you know, it changed our lives forever. Middle of the night, it hit, and we were actually going to stay until I woke up on Wednesday morning, and I heard something about Category 5, and I said, no, we're going, we're leaving here. And so my wife and I got in our, packed all we could in the vehicle we needed to pack, and uh, there's so much I could tell about that, but time does not allow, but we went to about 150 miles north to family that we had north of there, and we stayed, and um, Storm blew through the night. Next morning, about 9.30, I said, we might as well go home. I said, because there's no electricity here. At least back there, we have our generator, and we can begin to, to pick things up. And so as we, headed, as we headed out, as we headed south, before I ever left the little town of Far Steel, where, where I was born and raised at, I, I, I mouthed a prayer. And it's a, it's a prayer. It's my go-to prayer. Because Roland, I've been pastoring for, for 20 some odd years and there's often times in my years of being a pastor that uh, I run across an issue that I don't know what to do. And my, my go-to prayer always in that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. And it's the prayer of Jehoshaphat. And of course the prayer is much longer than one verse, but I always shorten it down to one verse. And, and it, it simply says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And or some version thereof is what I often pray. And, and that morning, my prayer was, Lord, I, I don't know where to begin. I've always been the pastor who's helping, who's sending stuff into these areas. And I've never been the pastor who's had to deal with these things. And I can, with absolute honesty tell you that within a minute within a minute my phone began to ring and I began to get phone calls from pastors and and churches all over this country uh, Denham Springs Louisiana Robertsdale Alabama Dallas Laurel Mississippi Houston and Longview Texas and the connection here, somebody asked me last night about the connection of Brother Charles. How long have y'all known each other? I said, about a year. <laughs> Brother Mike Courtney, who many of you might know, he's an evangelist. And Brother Mike had called me and said, Brother, I don't have much resource, but how can I help? I said, Brother, our main, our main issue right now is we've got to get our building dried out. We've got to get some gas. Gas is a major issue. And that's where your pastor came in. And I don't know if you appreciate your pastor, but I greatly appreciate that man. I was going to try to get through this without blubbering like a baby. And I, I was writing this down earlier, and I couldn't get through that without blubbering. But every time I think about what God did, I, I'm overwhelmed by what God did. See, we were 27 days without electricity. I don't sound like a lot maybe to you, but I like electricity. 
And in South Louisiana, in August and September, I really like electricity. <laughs> and we had none. We had generators. And when the storm hit, I had filled up everything I owned with gasoline, vehicles, lawnmowers, boat, uh, boats. And, of course, I only have one boat. But I'd filled up the boat, and, and I'd filled up seven, the seven gas cans I had. I filled them all up. And I can tell you when the storm got over, and it's amazing. It's right out of the Old Testament. It's Elijah and, and, and the widow. It's, we, I had 70 cans of gas when the storm, when everything was done, when the power came back on, I had 70 cans of gas. Now, I can't tell you where all 70 cans came from. I just know they kept showing up. And they didn't all show up full, but they all, at one point I had gas, but nowhere to put it. And we had gas thanks to, to people in this church, like Brother Bill Ainsworth. Uh, Wes and his crew come down and dried our building out for us. And many of you, and I, I, I wish I knew all your names, but many of you came with, with, with Brother Charles and you fed us. And you, you brought other things to us. But you, let's, let me tell you. More than anything to my church and our community was knowing that somebody cared outside that area. And it wasn't the federal government. It was God's people. It was God's people. That's where our help came from. You know, the scripture says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And that is where our help came from. It came from the Lord. And, and, and I am so grateful. I, I am so very grateful for all of, all of you in this church who gave and supplied, and, and maybe you don't know what all you did, but the, the aid that was sent to our church is immeasurable. And when it's all said and done, thank you just doesn't seem like a big enough word. But please know that I thank you from the bottom of my heart. My church family thanks you. And we have a, we, we love you, even though we don't even know you. We love you in Christ. And I just want to leave you with, with, with a couple of scriptures this morning. And I'm trying not to preach, brother. You've got a pretty good crowd here. But, uh, but I want you to know that through your help, our hearts were lifted. And even though... We worked harder than we've ever worked in our lives through hot, sticky, humid South Louisiana summer with no electricity. We smiled through it. One, because God was with us. And because people like you cared enough to help. And then, of course, there's that old thing of if God be for us, who can be against us? But two scriptures I'm going to leave with you this morning. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, God's word says to us, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what your church did. Your church helped us carry our burden. Brother Charles, you helped us carry our burden, and for that I'm eternally grateful, brother. And, and the last verse I'll leave with you today is found over in Philippians. 
And I want you to know this verse gets fulfilled quite often. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And I want you to know that about this church. Every time I remember what you did for me, what you did for my church, for my community, how you served our God, I give God thanks for this church, for your pastor, and for all those who had part in helping us get through that time. We're still getting through that time. But amazingly enough, uh, as you, many of you probably know, another hurricane hit Louisiana this year, except it hit the southeast Louisiana area. Well, we were able, with y'all's help once again, uh, to begin taking fuel down to that part of the country. And we were able to transport 3,000 gallons of fuel along with water and food and all manner of things to that area. And you know what the pastor there said to me? He says, how'd you know what to bring? <laughs> I said, brother, we knew what to bring because <laughs> we've been there. But I thank God for you, church, and I, I just praise God that you're a church that understands what a church is. And I, I just give God praise every time I think about you. Father God, I pray over this congregation today. And Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for Brother Charles, their pastor, Lord, and I thank you for his heart. And God, I just pray your great blessing over these people, Lord. And Father, don't ever let me forget to say thank you for what they did. Every time I remember, Lord, bring them to my heart. And Father, I don't ever let me forget, Lord, to give thanks to you because you are our great God and King. And as that first song a while ago said, Lord, you reign and you are all powerful and all sovereign. And in that, Father, we give you praise. No matter what may come, no matter what tomorrow holds, Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord, amen. What a blessing they are. Uh, I called Brother Roland and I said, because we always try to pray and find a, a church that that maybe nobody else has done a whole lot in that area, rural. And I said, who, who do you know uh, in South Louisiana that could need help? And he hooked us up with First Baptist La Rose. Uh, I tried to pay him for the gas. Uh, uh, I said, our people's taking up money. We want to pay for the gas. No, 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 no. We got the gas. He said, just give that church uh, what you were going to pay for the gas. So this last uh, two weeks ago, we took a, two full trailers down there. Uh, completely filled with things and a check for $4,000 to help First Baptist LaRose. And, uh, so. But I also want us to continue to pray for them. Uh, Brother Roland was sharing with me, uh, they've got a building they're waiting on the doors for. And uh, the doors before the storm were about $15,000. Uh, now they're $31,000. And uh, uh, they're not in their buildings yet. They're still working toward that. So if God lays on your heart to make a special gift this morning, wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Uh, it would, I would rejoice in the Lord. 
and, and we'll continue to pray and see what else God will allow us to help with. Turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 18. I know time is limited. I'm going to preach fast. Uh, uh, so you listen fast, and then we'll take care of the rest of it tonight and then Wednesday night. But uh, I want to get started in it anyway. Uh, somebody said, uh, my, my team plays at 1 or 12. And I said, well, my team don't. Uh, <laughs> my team plays at 325, America's team. How long are you going to haul between two opinions? If it be America's team, then serve America's team. Amen? Well, 1 Kings chapter 18, all right? And I did, uh, let me just mention something quickly here too. I don't know how my computer gets off here, but... I wanted to mention two very special people. Miss Carolyn Northcutt's back with us over here, and we praise the Lord for that. And on this side of the road over here is Miss Sheila Connor. She's been out, and we praise the Lord for her being back too. Amen. God still reigns. First Kings chapter 18, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. First Kings 18, verse 17. It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Baal. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Father, thank you tonight, today, for the blessings you've given us. Thank you for your touch, your healing touch. Thank you for those that you have brought back into our midst, Lord, that we've missed. And we just praise you and ask you, Lord, to bring others back and continue to heal them. We pray for this service this morning. It might be a time when your Holy Spirit has a freedom to do anything you want to do. Touch any heart you want to touch. Lord, may we leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Ahab uh, is the king here of Israel. And the Bible says that there's no king no king ever that was worse, that was more evil uh, than Ahab was. All you had to do was look across the table and you wouldn't see Ahab. You would see one even worse than him. Her name was Jezebel. And uh, between Ahab and Jezebel, they led Israel to false gods and built altars to false gods and to the uh, Baal, a god of fertility. And then here comes Elijah on the scene. Uh, he's God's man. Uh, the word Elijah actually means the Lord Jehovah, my God, is my God, the power of God. When John the Baptist came on the scene, it was said of him that he had the spirit and the power of Elijah. On the Mount of Transfiguration, there with the disciples and there with Jesus, when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, you'll find Elijah there. You look in the book of Revelation, toward the end, uh, those witnesses there, I believe one of them could very well be Elijah there also. He never tasted death. 
He was caught up in a whirlwind, and he's never tasted death. It was an insult to Baal because he was a god of fertility. And Ahab and Jezebel had led all these to worship the false idols. Now listen to me. He's not talking to the world here. He's not talking to the last, uh, uh, the, the sinners, the reprobates here, those who are living ungodly. He's talking to the nation Israel. He's talking to the people who saw God deliver them out of bondage in Egypt. He's talking to the people that saw the Red Sea open up and they walked through on dry ground. He's talking to the people who literally watched the entire Egyptian army uh, drowned in the Red Sea. He's talking to the people of God who had seen the glory of God fall. They'd been fed manna from above and bread from above and water from a rock. They'd been blessed to make it to the promised land. And if they hadn't have been for the power of God, they'd have never been in the promised land. He's talking to those people. So he says, Ahab, it's not going to rain. Number one, you're the one who caused the problem, not me. And I'm telling you, it's not going to rain for three years. Not only are you going to be judged for the false idols, it's not going to rain for three years. And then immediately God said, get out of here. You give this announcement and then get out of here. Uh, he, he, he's going to use a brook that's going to dry up. He's going to use a filthy animal, a raven, dirty animal, to feed him. He, he's going to use a widow that don't have any meal but yet the meal just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. He's going to use all of those to remind Elijah that when you are on God's business, God will take care of you. He'll take care of you. Uh, and he said, I'm not the one that's messed up Israel. You have. And let's get a challenge. Let's put it to the test. Let's get all uh, 450 prophets of Baal. Let's get 400 prophets of the of the uh, a table at Jer uh, Jezebel, the groves, and you bring all of them together. And then uh, he says this, and I don't have time to go into all this, but you, you got to look in, in the King James Version. Those articles are real important. He said, you gather together, everybody you got, and you call on your gods. And then he said, I'm going to call on the God. Not, not a God. Listen to me this morning. Jehovah is not a God. He's not some gods. He's the God. You gather everybody you got, and then I'm going to call on the God. Meet me at Mount Carmel, he said. And then he asked them an important question here. He said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If, if, if Baal is, is, is Baal, then serve Baal. But if God is God, serve God. But for goodness sakes, make up your mind. When you look at Strong's Concordance, you'll find that the Hebrew word there, halt, can have one of four meanings. One of them, I'll, I'll just demonstrate to you, uh, not very much, but one of them is this. Now, some of y'all wondered how long I'm going to do this. Not very long. It can mean hop. It would be like you, you take this book here, and you would hop on this side of it, and then you would hop on this side of it. And one day you'd be on this side hopping, and one day you'd be on this side hopping. And one day you'd be on this side hopping, and the next day you'd be on that side. Let me bring it a little home to you. On Sunday, you'd be over here hopping, praising the Lord, but on Saturday, you over here hopping. And you ain't praising the Lord on Saturday. 
young people, uh, around your parents and around uh, the people at church, you're over here hopping. But then when you get along with your peers and your friends, you're over here hopping. A husband, you're over here hopping uh, when, you're, uh, uh, when you're looking at the Internet. And then when your wife walks in, you over here hopping. Amen? And when you're at job and you're talking and you, you, you've got with all the guys around there, you're over here hopping. But then when you come to church, you're over here hopping. And what he's saying here is, how long are you going to hop from one side to the other? Make up your mind. If Baal is Baal, if the devil satisfies you this morning, bless God, serve the devil. But I can make a lot better case this morning for you to serve God. Because God's going to bless you. The devil will have to destroy you. But God will bless you. And he'll take care of you. He'll provide for you. I, 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 you know, 18 years ago, I, not at this pulpit, but I stood somewhere around here. And I became your pastor. And I want to tell you, it's been the greatest honor that I've ever had to be your pastor. This is a great church, tremendous church. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to be gut level honest this morning. I, I, I haven't had any problems with the atheist over the last 18 years. I, you see, I kind of, I don't want you to think I'm being ugly. Uh, and I know those of you who are listening by live stream, you, you have to be here to know the whole thing. But uh, I kind of figure a guy that, can't look at the stars and the moon and the sun and the trees and the colors and all of that. He's already dumb as a sack of rocks if he looks at that and thinks there's not a God. So, I mean, I can argue with him for a half a day and it ain't going to make no difference. So I usually don't, I, I, I really don't spend a lot of time arguing with atheists. I don't spend a lot of time trying to convince a Muslim. That, hey, that's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. Do you know in my 18 years where I spent most of my time? It's with people who have been blessed by God, people who've been born again. They're blood washed under the blood of Jesus Christ, and they hop over here one day, and they hop over here the next day, and they hop over here one day, and they hop over here the next day. That's the crowd right now. And I want to tell you, it's tough. It's tough trying to stand up in the culture. February will be 50 years I've been in the ministry. I will tell you, the culture has changed dramatically in 50 years. It's changed dramatically. I want you to understand, as your pastor, I'm not here to be your mental coach. I'm not here to tell you something good going to happen to you. As your pastor, I'm not here to be a motivational speaker. Keep up the good work. There's a champion inside of you. You get that champion. Reach down deep and get that champion. That's not my job. My job is to tell you that sin is sin and evil is evil. And if you do not obey the Word of God, you're going to pay the consequences for it. Now, in the midst of all that is there, I'm also to tell you there's a heaven that's sweet. God is real. He's alive. He, he, he's living today. Uh, there's a hell that's hot. And what you decide in this life right now, what some of you will decide this morning, will determine where you spend all of eternity. Because I want to tell you, everybody here is going to spend eternity somewhere. Nobody's going to get out of that. You're going to spend eternity. It's location, location, location. That's all it is. You can come to Jesus and you can be located in a place called heaven 
or you can reject Jesus and you can be located in a place called hell. Hell is not filled with people that God rejected. Don't you believe that? Hell is full of people who rejected God. It's an honor to preach and to be your shepherd, but I want to tell you that this thing of, of, of dealing with back and forth and back and forth and wavering, and, and actually I learned a new word when I was studying this week, shilly-shally. Anybody ever heard that word? It's a real word, shilly-shally. Hey, how long are y'all going to shilly-shally? How long are you going to hop over here when it's convenient and hop over here when it's convenient? If the devil is who you want to serve, bless God, serve the devil. If God's who you want to serve, serve the Lord. Nobody said a word. You say, Baal worship. Wow. Uh, it, it, it was terrible. It was an open immorality. There was perversion. There was everything all around them. There was wild music and reckless music and sacrificing their own children. They would sacrifice their own children on the altar. He said, well, preacher, we're not doing that. You need to lay off of that. I see a lot of people gathering to watch immorality today. Some inviting it into their own home. I see a lot of people, young people and adults, listening to some of the most vulgar worded music I've heard in my life. You pull up to a red light and you think your whole car's falling apart. <laughs> I mean, it's ungodly what you hear. I see a lot of people today gathering up and supporting this thing called abortion, of taking innocent lives. And by the way, aren't you glad you're living in Texas this morning? Our new law was upheld by the court that no baby could be aborted after a heartbeat. And I want to tell you, that's a miracle in itself. It'll face some more things. They thought they had it whipped this week. Within 48 hours, a judge came back and said, no, there's nothing wrong with this law. And so I praise the Lord. Baal worship was a horrific lifestyle. I'm thankful this morning that I'm in a church that made some things very clear. Even 70 years ago, when it started meeting under a tree, this church has had five pastors. I've been here 18 years. One uh, didn't last a year. Uh, but the other three went from 1951 all the way up to 2004, 2003. They stood on the Word of God. They've made very clear that there is only one God. There's only one God. I've told you before, I'll tell you again, that's one of the biggest problems we're going to have in this society in the days ahead. When we begin to tell people there is only one way to go to heaven, whoo, you're, you're, you're mean. You're a bigot. You're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I'm standing on the Word of God. We made it clear there's only one God. We made it clear that the only way you can get to this God is to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. you got to come by the way of the cross. There's no other way. And then we made it clear that this Bible is a holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient Word. That's clear. People don't like that. We'd much rather say, hey, that don't apply to me, so I'm not going to take that. 
Uh, no, this whole book applies to every one of us. Mm. What do you need to do? I got five minutes. What do you need to do to not waver? Let me give you three things here, okay? The first thing is this. You need to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Elijah done made up his mind. He's going to follow the Lord. He's got a personal relationship with the Lord. Now listen to me. Oh, would you hear my heart this morning? Some of you who've gotten up in years and everything and you're older and you've been hanging on to something that really wasn't a true salvation and God been dealing with you, listen to me. I don't care how good you are, I don't care how many works you've done, I don't care how much money you've given. If you haven't trusted in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and called on him to save you, you're not saved. Amen. You say, well, what, 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 what if I get there and I get saved this morning, but I get there and God says, well, you idiot, you were already saved. I don't think he's going to say that. I think he's going to say, come on in. But listen to me. If you get there and you weren't saved, it wasn't real, I'll tell you what he's going to say. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. Listen, I'm at, don't, don't, listen, don't gamble on your salvation this morning. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. And listen, don't add anything to it. Some people say, well, the, the only way you can know you're saved now is if you speak in tongues. That's hogwash. There's a Greek word for that. Some people say, well, the only reason you can know you're saved is if you do these good works. That's that Greek word hogwash again. Anything you add to Jesus, when you get Jesus, you got all you need. Don't add anything to it. Now, there are going to be good works that follow. There are going to be things that follow, yes, but they don't tie into your salvation. Ephesians 2, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, if you think Paul was crazy in Ephesians, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Acts 4, 12, there's salvation in no other uh, name under heaven given among men. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. John 6, 47, verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll hear some real ding-dings. They'll tell you there's no such thing as inviting Jesus into your heart, like they've never read the book of Romans here. Listen to me. He's inviting into your heart and to take over your life. If you don't want to waver in these last days, you better make sure you're saved. Second thing you got to do quickly is be prepared to stand alone. Look at your neighbor and say, you may have to do this thing alone. Hmm? I mean, Elijah's alone. He said in verse 22, there's nobody left but just me. I'm the only prophet left here. Nobody's on Elijah's side. Nobody's got pom-pom down there pumping him up. Nobody's saying, go, Elijah, go, Elijah. You can do it. You can do it. No. He said, look, I done decided to follow the Lord. If I'm outnumbered, I'm still going to follow the Lord. 
You may come to a time when your family may disown you, like Brother Wayne talked about. You may come to a time when your friends will leave you. Isn't it amazing? It is to me. It is amazing that you can be on the job and you can talk filthy and you can tell dirty jokes and, and you can act like perverts and nobody has a problem with that. But you just mentioned the name Jesus. You're causing trouble. You're a troublemaker. It's amazing our boys and girls can carry filthy magazines and even drugs down the hallways of our school. They can Twitter and text nudity and profanity, and then there's talk tick. <laughs> I just want to make sure you are awake. <laughs> but you let one of our young people say, hey, hey, let's talk about praying to Jesus. You are causing trouble. You're causing trouble. Your family can be in the middle of smoking and drinking and alcohol and drugs and and nobody pays any attention to it. Everything's all right. But you just say, hey, guys, why don't we get up tomorrow and go to the Lord's house? Ooh, you are causing trouble. You may have to do this thing alone. But I'll tell you, if you know <laughs> somebody gets a little loud in here, say, you got a little loud. Listen, if you know the Lord like I know the Lord, you might get loud too. I mean, he's king of kings and lord of lords. He said, you meet me at Mount Carmel. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not completely dumb. When we was in high school and we said, you meet me outside, it wasn't because we needed some fresh air. <laughs> Amen? It was because somebody being to leave here with a knot on their head. And, and when he's saying, you get all your, your, your Baal prophets together and you meet me down there at Mark, Mount Carmel. You want to talk smack? You want to run down my God? We'll see whose God is God. Christian life is not a part-time hobby. You've got to trust Jesus. You've got to be willing to go along. And the third thing, I'm through. You've got to worship the real God in spirit and in truth. Mm. You ever tasted fake stuff? First bite in it, you knew it wasn't real. We love I don't know what in the world's in them packages. It, they claim it's fake lobster. And I love it. It's good. Until you've had the real thing. So I will tell you, real lobster is better than any of this other fake stuff at all. How many of y'all have ever bought a pair of Nike shoes? You thought you got a good deal. In a month, the end fell off and you had Ike shoes. <laughs> it's a fake. Huh? Ladies, do you know that every purse that has coach written on it is not really a coach? You may pay for it, but it's not really a coach. They got a bullock in verse 26. They dressed it. They called on Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. Not a word. The Bible says at noon they start kind of gathering and lamenting on the altar. Oh, Baal, hear us. Not a word. All day they've been there. Then they whoop out the knives and they start cutting themselves. And they start bringing in the lances. Oh, Baal, 
here I burn. <laughs> Not a word. Not a word. Listen, I'm not trying to get in nobody's business this morning, but I'm trying to get in somebody's business this morning. <laughs> There's a lot of this junk going on around here on television and all around us. It's nothing but fake. I want to tell you right now, the true living, worshiping God that we worship, it starts with correct doctrine. If the doctrine ain't right, the song ain't right. It starts with that. You can fall out, you can fall down, you can catch it, you can lose it. But at the end of the day, if you're not locked down, connected, loaded up with Jesus, not a thing going to happen. So many today are looking for some hopping. That's because they hop on Saturday night to one tune and they want to hop on Sunday morning to the another tune. We've lowered the standard of God. I want to tell you this morning, I love what Elijah, let me just close out here with what he prays, beginning in verse 36. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell. You need to get on a little shout every once in a while. Just get your little old brain in gear and start thinking. God, well, you're the God of Abraham. You're the God of Isaac. You're the God of Jacob, and you're my God. You're my God. Is he your God this morning? Do you need to come this morning and say, look, I I've served the Lord. I've been a church man. I've been a bad, I've been down all. I've been Methodist, Baptist, Catholic. You name them, I've been it. But I've never known what it's like to have the Lord personally. Today would be a great day for you to do that. Maybe today you need to just come and, and say, hey, I want to be a part of a church home that's going to serve the Lord and, and that's going to stand on the Word of God and that's going to believe there is one God. Listen to me. I'm planning on that happening. I don't think I'm going to stand alone. I know two or three of you, I think, just crazy enough to stand. I hope there's a whole lot more than that. As I mentioned last week, one of the things that God has shown me is we're never going to dominate this world. These are the last days. We're not here to be dominated. We're, we're, you can win all the elections you want to live. That, win. That's not going to make any difference. We're here to influence. And the thing we need to influence is people need the Lord. Maybe today to be saved. Maybe to join the church. Maybe... Maybe there's some husbands in here this morning that really ought to come to the altar and say, God, I need the fire to fall on me. My family's falling apart. Now, they're not going to like you when you start going by the Word of God because we've been tied up in this world so long that everybody wants to live by the world. It's easy for me to tell you what you do wrong, but don't you look at me. I'm all right. 
I've got justification for every sin I do. Maybe this morning you need to bring your family to this altar. Father, you know our hearts in this building today. God, have mercy. How long are we going to halt between two opinions? Lord, today, would you raise up an army that would say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord. I don't care if I'm the only one here. I don't care what the odds are. I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to be part of his kingdom. Would you have your own way right now? Amen. Would you stand with me?